Please pray with me. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. We human beings like to imagine ourselves as the absolute summit of intelligence and sophistication in the whole universe. After all, what other creature has a mind like ours? What other creature produces art, symphonies, choral arrangements? What other creature contemplates the world, the meaning of its own existence, and even the divine? And yet, of the human being, of the Son of Man, the psalmist says, you have made him a little lower than the angels. Let's, for a moment, borrow an image from our Old Testament reading, that of the ladder set on the earth with its, with its top stretching into heaven. Let's imagine that it's the ladder of being, and at the summit of this great ladder is God the Most High, the Omniscient One, from whom all being, all life originates. And as we descend on this ladder, we get less and less consciousness, uh, less and less uh, sophistication, so that at the base we have plants, uh, fungi, single-celled organisms and the like. And, and as we ascend, we have insects, fish, birds, and more sophisticated mammals, cats, dogs, chimpanzees, until we arrive at human beings. In all the visible universe, we are the highest and most sophisticated beings that we know about. Now, just think for a moment about all the vast variety of creatures below us, right? Um, we can be here all night naming them. There is a staggering diversity. Uh, consider, for instance, all the various types of, of just of birds every conceivable kind of bird of different color, size, and shape, some that fly, some that run, some that swim in the water, enough to fill volumes and volumes of bird anthologies. Now, why should there be nothing in the vast expanse between human beings and God, the invisible realm of spirit? As the philosopher Peter Kriff points out, it doesn't seem consistent with everything else we know of creation, does it? Well, the Bible assures us that there are intelligent beings other than us. Beings higher on the chain of being than we are. 
Nearly every culture and religion has some way of describing and naming such beings. An astonishing number of people from all walks of life claim to have actually seen them, encountered them, conversed with them, or otherwise interacted with them. Our, our general way of, of, of referring to these entities, at least in the Christian faith, is as angels. Now, in giving a sermon about angels, I will resist the urge to merely regale you with interesting trivia about angels from Scripture or uh, the theology and traditions of the church, although uh, I, I will do a bit of that. Um, but I want instead to ask the so what question. Medieval scholastic theologians are often lampooned by modernists for uh, busying themselves with irrelevant questions such as uh, how many angels can dance on the head of a pin, right? You've heard that one. So there are invisible uh, spirits all around us. Uh, great, cool story. Uh, what possible difference does believing such a thing or considering their existence have on my life? Well, quite a bit, as it turns out. Um, believing in angels breaks the power of materialism and helps us to live with all in the face of the spiritual dimension of life. Even if we believe there, there is a God, the default position of most modern people is some form of materialism. Uh, we reason uh, there may in fact be a deity, deity of some sort, but uh, he, he's far removed from the world of nature. He exists apart from it. The world consists uh, entirely of dead, impersonal matter. All that exists around us is space, vacuum, nothingness. The universe is more space than anything else. It's a disenchanted world. Uh, the vision of the world communicated by the Christian faith is much different. It's an enchanted cosmos. It's, there is more than what meets the eye. There is more than impersonal matter. In fact, spirit and personality surround us on all sides. The universe isn't a cold, indifferent place, but one of will, purpose, and intention. There is a constant communication between heaven and earth, between the world of spirit and matter. The angels ascend and descend between the two. As Jacob exclaimed, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. A proper understanding of the vastness of creation, which includes spiritual realms beyond our perception and transcending our understanding, gives us an appropriate sense of humility. We are not at the top of the ladder. There are innumerable other beings far greater than us. To them, we quite possibly appear as silly and primitive as monkeys or as cute and harmless as ducklings. 
It puts our own pretensions in perspective, doesn't it? It increases our awe at God's regard for us. With the psalmist, we pray, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Furthermore, we realize that we are part of a much larger drama, one that predates our own life and even the advent of human beings altogether, the struggle between good and evil. This struggle precedes the physical creation. It is a spiritual battle that is occurring in heavenly places and is dramatically represented in our reading this evening from Revelation. There it is described how St. Michael the archangel fought against the dragon, our ancient foe, the devil. Satan with all his apostate angels were cast out of heaven. There we read that the devil has come down to the earth with great wrath because he knows that his time is short. This is the, the macrocosm reflected in the microcosm of our own individual struggles with sin. This ongoing spiritual war affects each of us on a personal level. Uh, we are influenced both by uh, good and evil angels. These spirits, um, they, they cannot directly move our will, but they can influence, influence us by means of our senses, our impressions, our intellect. The devil, for instance, can, can seek to influence us by way of accusation and condemnation. He manipulates us by way of falsehood and half-truths. If the thought of being targeted by evil spirits in this way is alarming to you, and it should be, then you should recall that we are also guarded and protected by the holy angels. And the psalmist declares, for he commands his angels concerning you to guard you wherever you go. With their hands they shall support you, lest you strike your foot against a stone. The holy angels also comfort us in our affliction. They encourage us. They embolden us. They inspire us. They illuminate us and guide us in the direction of truth. They can speak and act through our intellect and through our imagination. It's, of course, not unheard of for angels to assume a physical body and to visit us, to appear to us in, in vision or speak to us inwardly. Have you ever felt guided, prompted, led by an unseen hand? Guided by providence to some new clarity? Perhaps you have entertained angels unaware. Church tradition has long maintained that each of us has our very own guardian angel. Um, this is perhaps especially true of children. Christ himself said, For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. It should encourage us to know that we have an angelic advocate who has protected, guided, and inspired us since infancy. Our guardian angels are perhaps especially perceptive observers of human behavior and motivation, but they can't read our minds. As spirits, however, they can communicate us 
on a nonverbal level, mind to mind, we in turn can make ourselves known to them in prayer, and we can receive their aid and intercession. Although the angels are high above us, they live to minister to us who are beneath them. We are the objects of the angels' love, their concern, and guidance. And the creatures beneath us, the, the animals, should likewise be the object of our love and service. Indeed, this whole creation has been given to us for our care and our stewardship. This is how heaven works. It is the reverse of how earthly things typically work. The greater serves the lower. The angels model for us the path of godly service, and we should follow their guidance and example in serving those who are beneath us in power, uh, in wealth, or, or status. In all these ways and, and many more, the existence and ministry of angels affects us directly. Human beings have this unique place and honor and dignity among creation. Although created lower on the hierarchy of being than these angels, we, we have a destiny that's greater than the angels. God did not choose to become an angel, but uh, he chose to become a human being. He descended to our lowly state in order that he might raise us to the heights of his glory and majesty higher than even the seraphim. Christ has set up his cross as a kind of ladder for us to ascend to God and be partakers with him of the divine nature. Although some angels are filled with a murderous resentment at our special calling, the holy angels are committed to assisting us to achieve what God has purposed for us. Be assured that although our enemies are great, the number that is for us is greater than those who are against us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.